praise F or how to talk to crazy people? A funny, moving, and altogether brilliant book on the challenges and peculiar insights of mental illness. Rather than simply describing a clinical condition, Donna K. Kung painstakingly evokes the complex language and thought patterns of what she deliberately calls craziness. The result is a book that will engage not only readers who have encountered, in personal terms, the challenges of mental illness, but also readers who wish to appreciate, in the broadest of ways, what is troubling and also beautiful about the human imagination itself. David Triendi, author of Salkint, Governor General S. Award Finalist A rare and honest account of mania, depression and psychosis the book to read, if you want to understand the suffering of mentally ill persons and the raw courage that one woman can muster. Dana struggles financially, socially, sexually, and spiritually to find peace from the minions of hell that inhabit her mind. Catherine Tapley Milton, author of Mind Full of Scorpions. A poignant account of what it is like to live with a severe psychiatric illness. We see it vividly from the inside and truly sense how terrifying it can be to be psychotic. It is also a story of hope and optimism about what someone can achieve despite the continual setbacks, the oh-so-much longer time to accomplish the things that others do with a lot less effort, the inevitable loss of friends, money and often family. This should be read by all those who work in mental health and all those who don tea. It will give you a glimpse not of how scary it is to talk to a crazy person, but how scared a crazy person is to talk to you. Anna Skorzuska, psychiatrist, University Health Network to mom, for being the best artist I know, and the most beautiful person I know, inside and out. To dad for growing into such a fantastic father, man and neighbor, and thank you for helping me to grow up, too. Crazy Talk It's my last year of high school at Stephen Leacock Collegiate in Scarborough, on Dash Terrio. My friend Gino and I sit on a bus on our way to downtown Toronto. A man boards the bus and immediately screams at the passengers standing in the bus aisle, who he thinks deliberately block his path. He has 999. Exclaims Gino. He has 999. What does that mean? I ask. It means he is crazy. Gino says. He is from 999 Queen Street a psychiatric host-pittal at the time and he is alone. I sit quietly and fidget with my hands. I stare at the man's facial tics and listen and dash tentally to his babble about spies. And the devil coming? And the end of the world? The following pages contain my voice and my own babble through 16 break-downs over a five and a half year period. I ask that you please read, learn and understand what it is truly like to live a crazy life. 1 St. Mike's Hospital The sounds of loud WHIRS, clangs and chimes force open my eyes. My mind stirs like a dropped rag. I cannot move my body. My chest, my waist and my legs are strapped to a gurney. I am in an ambulance. I raise my head and peer forward. Sky and hydro lines rush past. I see the black hair of the driver beside a brown-haired person in the passenger seat. A red-haired man sits beside me. When was the last time you ate?
he asks. My eyes dart to the word paramedic on his arm badge. It feels as though pricks of nail and scratch my brain. What is the last thing you remember? He continues. I stare at his blue uniform. Do you know what day it is? He asks. I look up at the net of first aid kits suspended above me, then shut my eyes to block out the paramedic. The frantic movement of the ambulance comes to a stop. A pause, a jerk, and then down, lower rush, rush, rush to precisely where? I keep my eyes shut, and feel the gurney wheel over a smooth surface. Stillness. I am alone. Tears slip from beneath my closed eyelids. I feel a prick in my arm and open my eyes, to see a plastic and steel tower beside me. And four is in me. A jungle of noise surrounds me. I lie on the gurney. I lie on the gurney. I lie on the gurney. My mind screeches shriller than a dog, and moves a whole lot faster than the fluid in the foredrip. I go over the questions asked in the ambulance. I don't remember the last time I ate. But it must have been saw pannier from my favorite restaurant around the corner from where I live in Little India. I eat saw pannier, made of spinach and cheese curds, every day. The last thing I remember is lying on my futon, surrounded by blood, wet and cold. I thought I was the Virgin Mary, and that my stillborn baby Jesus had passed through me. It must have been menstrual blood. I must have passed out. I know it is October of 1995. I look up at the nurse station close, to where my gurney lies in the hallway. Even without my wire rim glasses, I can see the calendar on the wall. It is October 23rd. Why am I in the hospital? People in white and light blue uniforms rush back and forth around me. Why am I in the hospital? I shout at them. They keep rushing. Why am I in the hospital? I lower my voice this time. They keep rushing? Why am I in the hospital? I shout again. They sprint past me. No one stops to answer my question. After the tenth time, I feel frazzled, exhausted, worthless. I stand up and rip the four out of my arm. My legs can still propel me. Wearing a light blue hospital gown, I stride through a bright red exit. I look around outside. I am at St. Mike's Hospital on Queen Street. The Bay Retail Store is southwest. I know I live east. I walk in that direction. Evil eyes are on me. I feel rage. A horn honks a violent blare. I panic. I glance over and see my dad driving his orange lotto with my brother in the passenger seat. They yell. Come inside, Donna. Come inside? I keep walking, strutting, each angry, hateful step takes me towards home. No. The tough chipped sidewalk trips me up, crossing cars break my path and my dad jumps out and pushes me into his lotta. I scream. I yell. I fight. I am back at St. Mike's. Inside four metallic gray walls. I lie on a bed, and look at hell on the floor where shellacked white tiles join. I feel disjointed. I think about my favorite poster, the one I bought when I was at Carleton University, 
where I graduated from journalism on June 17, 1994. That poster, one of the few on the walls of my small apartment, where my $450 rent is soon due is a picture of four black men, wearing 1940s hats, standing around a pool table. One of them holds a cue. I look at the heavy gray steel door that faces me. Where is my cue to leave? I scream, I yell, I pray no response.